Well, if you could turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15, and the words will be on the screen behind me as well. John chapter 15. This is the passage that Gordon's going to be speaking to us from. I'm going to read the first 13 verses. So John chapter 15, and this is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Well, let's pray together as we come to God's word. Our God and Father, what a privilege we have now of being able to hear from you, the living God. That as we open the pages of the Bible, you speak to us. You, the God who is clothed in glory and majesty, who dwells in unapproachable light, speaks to us, dust of the earth, grasshoppers in your sight. And so, Father, may we therefore recognize how precious and unique this moment is for us. We have heard so many words this week. So many people have spoken to us at work and at home and on the television and through social media. We've heard so many voices. But may all of those voices now be still and quiet. Because now we, as we open your word, will not hear the voice of a man but your voice. So may we give it its proper place in our hearts. May you enable us to fix our minds, to concentrate for these next few moments. And may we respond like that young Samuel did. Here I am, Lord, your servant, waiting to listen to you. Father, may you be pleased to impart your spirit to us so that he might apply your word to our hearts. 
And Father, I pray for my own heart too, because it's so easy to stand up here and say these words. And yet, Father, I, I pray that I would not be saying them, but also listening to them myself. And applying your word to my heart as well. So, Father, work now, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let's all be honest this morning and take part in a little bit of confession. And confess to the fact that we all have control issues. That we all have trust issues. We like all to be in control. We want to be the one driving the car, as it were, of our lives. And we also find it exceptionally difficult to trust other people. And someone says, you can trust me. Our first response is, well, how do I know I can trust you? And the more times a person says, oh, you can trust me, the higher the chances are that we're not going to trust them. We all have control issues. We all have trust issues. And this is all the more the case when change comes our way. It's aggravated by that, especially sudden change. When something happens in our lives and control is taken out of our hands and and put into the hands of someone else or into the hands of events and, and circumstances, we don't cope well with that. We try as hard as we can to, to seize back control. Change forces us to trust in others who in that situation are able to determine the outcome and how it might impact us, our families and our future. We are most comfortable when we are in control. When we are in the driving seat. We are most comfortable when the only person that we have to trust is ourselves and those that are sort of within that very small circle of trust that we all have. Now, unfortunately... For those of us who have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation, who hold that the Bible is the full and final authoritative word of God, we find time and time again that we are in fact told to hand that control over to God. We find that we're told time and time again that we should not even trust in ourselves, but that we should trust completely upon God. Think of that uh, Bible verse you know so well, perhaps you've, you've even memorized it when you were a child at Sunday school, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Okay, I, I get that. I don't like the second part though. And lean not on your own understanding verse we know so well, yet find hard to do. And and that call is repeated over and over through the Bible. Trust in God. Let Him have complete control. Don't rely on yourself. Don't try and be the master of your own life. 
No, we don't have a problem with verses like that when life is normal. When things are just sort of floating along, regular life. But when there are difficulties and trials and challenges, that's when it becomes difficult. When life throws you that curveball and the unexpected happens. We so quickly try to take that control back. We revert back to trusting in ourselves. The text before us today in John 15 contains the the repeated phrase, abide in me. And it's a particularly rich phrase that expresses a complete trust and total dependency. Jesus time and time again tells us and his disciples, trust in me. Depend upon me in in all situations. In fact, he goes so far as to say, trust in me and completely depend upon me because apart from me, you can actually do nothing. That's how complete our trust and dependency upon him needs to be. Depend upon me at all times and in all situations. Now consider for a moment the context. When was it that Jesus spoke these words? Well, he spoke these words to his disciples just in the the final hours before his crucifixion. And think about the curveball that was about to be thrown at his disciples. And it wouldn't just be one curveball. No, it would come one after the other after the other. The disciples were about to be thrust into chaos, into disorder, into a sea of change. Think of what would happen just over the next year of their lives. Jesus would be crucified. Then they would see him risen before him, before them. Then they would watch him ascend into heaven. Then the Holy Spirit would come upon them. Then the church would grow exponentially. Then they would be arrested and persecuted. And some of them would be martyred. And then there was the diaspora. Just change after change after change. Life was entirely unpredictable for these men. And so Jesus, in compassion and love for them, in His concern for them, speaks these words to them urging them, trust in me, abide in me, depend upon me. As you go through all of these changes that your life is about to go through. And of course, these words are then spoken to us as well. And when we hear this call to trust, to abide in, to completely depend upon Christ? Well, the first question that perhaps comes to our minds is, how do I know I can actually trust Him? How do I know I can abide in God, trust in Christ, completely depend upon Him at all times, in all things, in all situations? How do I know I can trust in God? Well, that's the question that I want us to answer this morning from this passage. And I believe that there are at least, there are many, but there are at least three reasons why we can 
trust in and abide in Christ, in God, completely trust and depend upon him at all times and in all situations. And the first reason that we see is seen right at the beginning of this passage, and that is that God the Father, the vine dresser, is at work for our good. That's our first reason. God the Father, the vine dresser, is at work for our good. He is the all-wise vine dresser. Jesus tells us, verse 1, I am the vine, the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Well, what does it mean that God the Father is the all-wise vine dresser? Well, I don't know if any of you have ever seen a great vine in, in full leaf, but they are incredibly beautiful things, and they can grow to quite a size. Their, their branches spread out along the trellis that they are arranged upon. And those branches can go off in, in all sorts of directions. And the job of the vine dresser is to take care of those vines, to, to make sure that the vine and its branches are in the best place of health so as to continue to yield good fruit season by season. Now when the farmer comes to take care of the vine and its branches, he or she will not just approach the branches and just take their secateurs and just start cutting here, there, and everywhere with no reason, rhyme, or logic. No, they, they will stand back and they will, they will look at the vine and they will look at the branches. They will have the whole picture in mind. And not just that, but the good farmer will, before he begins to cut, think, what has happened in the months leading up to this? Well, what has the season been like? Have we just come out of a season of, of great drought? Therefore, the branches might not actually be that strong because they, they haven't had the water that is, has been needed. They're, they're sort of in a crisis mode. Farmer will also think, well, what is the weather today? Is it a scorching, blazing, hot day? Or, or is there going to be frost tonight? What's happening right now? How does that mean I should cut the vine today, the branches today? The farmer will then also think about the future. What, what's coming? Are we going into winter? Are we going into spring? Are we in summer? Are we going into autumn? Is it projected for, for a, a, a huge amount of rain to fall in the next few weeks? Are we in for a severe winter or a harsh summer? The good farmer will have all of that in their mind before they even make the first cut. And the same is true of our Father. God the Father is not ignorant when he comes to cut and prune us. He knows everything that we have gone through. And he knows what's happening right now today. And he also knows what is to come in the future. 
And so as he cuts and and shapes and bends our branch, he is doing it mindful of all that we've been through, mindful of what we're going through now, so as to prepare us and put us in the best place for what is to come. So often when life throws us that curveball, when that change comes, all we can see is here and now. But God sees beyond that. And sometimes that does make it all the more difficult for us because we cannot necessarily understand why God is doing the things that He's doing in our lives in that moment. But then as time passes, as the months unfold, we see the immense wisdom of God in that. Many of us can look back just to the beginning of this year. Or maybe to a point last year or even the year before that when something happened in our lives and we were totally confused by it. God, what's going on? Why is this happening? And perhaps things took a direction that we we didn't necessarily want them to go in. But now, some months later, we see the immense wisdom of God. Because we recognize if God had not done that in my life, if he had not opened that door or closed that door or said no to this or yes to that, I would not be where I am today if God had not acted in that way. And yes, at the time, it was hard to understand and it was hard to bear and I struggled, but God proved to be the all-wise gardener. Because he was shaping, he was cutting, he was pruning because he knew what was to come. And he wanted me to be in the best place of strength so that I could endure through that next season of what was to come. When we're faced with the uncertain, we only see what's in front of us. We don't know the future We're quick to forget the past. We only see the here and the now. But we need to remember that we can trust and we can depend wholeheartedly in God our Father. Why? Because He sees the whole picture. Past, present, future. And He knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And so he will shape, he will cut, he will prune, he will bend, he will redirect us. And it may be painful, it may be unpleasant, it may even be unwanted at the time. But every cut he makes, every bend, every redirection that he makes is motivated by his love and done in his perfect goodness and wisdom. God the Father is the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-wise gardener who sees the full picture and will shape our branches so as to put us in the best position to bear fruit in the future.
And so our first reason why we can trust and abide and totally depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ is because God the Father is the all-wise vine dresser. Secondly, what we see in this passage, we have God the Father as the all-wise vine dresser. And the second, we see that Christ is our vine. Christ is our all-sufficient vine, and we are the branches. We know John 15 well because it forms one of the, the great seven I am statements of John's gospel. It's repeated twice in this passage, verse 1 And verse 5, I am the true vine. It's an emphatic statement. It almost needs an exclamation mark after it in our English Bibles to help us understand that that Jesus is, is saying this with a great degree of emphasis. It's an exclusive statement. I and I alone. I and no one else. I am the true vine. But look with me closely at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. We'll read it again. I am the vine, you are the branches. You see what Jesus is saying there? What he's doing there? He's putting things in the right order. I am the vine, you are the branches. Not the other way around. We would prefer to be the vine because the vine's in charge. Jesus is saying, no, I'm in charge. I am the vine, you are the branches, not the other way round. I don't know if your church has a tradition of doing nativity plays. The church I grew up in had this tradition that every year the Sunday school children got to put on a nativity play. And of course there was great excitement amongst us children as to what role you would get. Of course the prize roles were Joseph and Mary. You know, all the boys wanted to be Joseph, all the girls wanted to be Mary. It was kind of like, who's been the best behaved child in Sunday school? You know, that's the one that gets chosen to be Joseph or, or Mary. Of course, you think, okay, well, if I'm not that, maybe I'll be one of the wise men, the young girls. Maybe I get to be one of the angels. Well, imagine that uh, in a few months' time, your church puts on a nativity play and Whoever is the director of that is searching out people for a role, and they approach and they say, we would like you to be in Whittlesea's Christmas nativity play. We have a role specially chosen for you. We want you to be part of a two-man donkey. Which part would you like to be? The head or the back? All of us would choose the head. None of us want to be the back. Why? Because the head gets to be in control. The head gets to determine the direction, and the person at the back, they just have to follow. 
and trust. When we come face to face with the difficulties of life, we fear that loss of control. I now have to depend upon someone else on circumstances beyond our control. And so if we're honest, we'd say, I would rather be the vine. I would far rather be in control. Far rather be the vine than the branches, because the vine gets to call the shots. The vine gets to be in the driving seat. The vine determines the direction. But here's what we need to understand as believers in Jesus Christ. With God the Son as the vine, we have the best possible vine we could ever ask for or ever need. Think think about who he is. Consider how John has presented Christ to us through his gospel up to this point. John chapter 1, the vine, Jesus, is our creator. He is life. He is the light of life. He is the one that gives us the right to become children of God. He is full of grace and truth. He is the revelation of God. He is the Lamb of God that has come to take away the sin of the world. Chapter 2, he is able to do the impossible. He turns water into wine. He is filled with zeal for God, and he knows our hearts. Chapter 3, He is the giver of eternal life and the true light. Chapter 4, He is the water of life. He knows all that we are and all that we have done. He can even heal people just through His words over a great distance. Chapter 5, He heals the lame and He has the authority to give life. He is the one of whom the whole Old Testament speaks. Chapter 6, He feeds people by the thousands. He walks on water. He is the bread of life that satisfies our deepest hunger. He speaks the words of eternal life. Chapter 8, he is the light of the world who has come to set us free through the truth. He is the I am, the eternal one. Chapter 9, he heals the blind. Chapter 10, he is the good shepherd who brings abundant life co-equal with the Father in perfect unity with Him who holds us securely in the palm of His hand. Chapter 11, He raises the dead because He is the resurrection and the life. Who is this vine? He is the co-equal, co-eternal God, the Son, the giver of life, filled with truth and grace and love able to heal the sick, cast out demons, feed the hungry, control the elements of creation, raises the dead, the water of life, the bread of life, the door to life, the good shepherd, the giver of abundant life, the resurrection and the life, sees all things, knows all things, and can do all things, and holds us in the palm of his eternal, omnipotent hand. That is who Christ is. That is who our vine is. How do you compare to that? We don't even come close. So who's in a better position to be in control? Who's in a better position to call the shots? 
Who's better qualified to drive the car? Christ, the all-sufficient vine. And we should, we should rejoice at that fact. We should find that liberating. I don't have to be in control of my life because I have someone who's far better qualified to be in control. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. With Christ as the vine, we have absolutely everything we need. We lack absolutely nothing. Because He will supply us with all that we need when we need it. That's the job of the vine, is to take the nutrients up from the soil, to take the water up from the soil, and then pass it on to the vine. If the vine hoards everything, as we are so wont to do, the branches die. But Christ our vine doesn't hoard, doesn't keep it all for himself. He continually passes it on to us so that we might grow, so that we might flourish, so that we might bear fruit. He makes sure that we have everything we need in its season so that we can produce fruit. So why can we absolutely trust in and abide in Christ? Well, firstly, because God the Father is our all-wise vine dresser. Secondly, because Christ, God the Son, is the all-sufficient vine. Provides us with everything we need. And thirdly, we can abide in Christ. We can trust and completely depend upon Him because He loves us. This passage is so well known. And yet, I think in some respects, one of the most precious verses is overlooked. And that is verse 9. Look there at verse 9 with me. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Again, let me read that again. And, and maybe just take a moment in silence just to think, think about that verse. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. How does the Father love the Son? How does the first person of the Trinity love the second person of the Trinity? How does God the Father love God the Son? God the Father loves God the Son with an eternal, holy, perfect, intense, pure, true, infinite love. There is no greater bond No greater kind of love, no greater knowledge of love, no greater experience of love in all of creation than the love that exists 
between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That is the highest, that is the epitome, that is the definition of love. I wonder what is the greatest form of love you've ever experienced in your life. As a good husband, I'm supposed to say it's the love I've experienced from my wife. And yes, that's true, but probably the most powerful experience of love I've ever felt was the day on which Joel and Rachel were born. I remember that that moment when, when the doctor held up Joel or Rachel for the first time, and, and I saw them for the first time, and it was just this intense, powerful love gripped my heart. I didn't know them. I hadn't done anything to prove being worthy recipients of my love. In fact, that moment in time, all they had done was cost me a lot of money. In South Africa, you have to pay for it all. But I would have paid ten times that amount. Because this intense, powerful love gripped my heart for both of them. It was instant. And yet I can think that that must, can only be a small human experience, reflection of that intense, unfathomable love that exists between God the Father and God the Son. And here's the amazing thing. Jesus says, I love you with that same love. That love that my Father has for me that nothing else in all creation knows, that is the definition and the epitome and the height of love, I love you with that love. Jesus would go on just hours after saying those words to demonstrate it. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. Jesus, in his divine love, sacrificed himself, laid down his life for us so that we could be drawn into that relationship of love through the salvation that he offers us. We are loved by Christ beyond what we can fathom. How that should then encourage us to trust in Him. Who are the people that we trust most? We trust most the people that we love most and the people that love us most. Therefore, we should find it easiest to trust Christ. Because we don't ever have to doubt His love for us. And his love for us never has an ulterior motive. And his love for us never puts himself before us. And his love is never self-seeking. It's pure and perfect and infinite. Christ, as our vine, loves us with a perfect love. 
And therefore we can trust in Him, depend upon Him in all things, at all times, for all things. And so we see here in these wise words of Christ, three reasons why we should abide. Why we can trust resolutely in Him. We can abide in Christ because God the Father is our all-wise vine dresser. He knows us. He knows our past. He knows our present. He knows our future. And He will lead and guide and direct our lives accordingly. Secondly, we can trust and abide in Christ because He is the all-sufficient vine. He is the best one who's able to provide us with everything that we need. We have no lack. And thirdly, we can abide in Christ because He loves us beyond what you and I can fathom. Yes, we are all control freaks. Yes, we all want to be in the driving seat. Yes, we find it difficult to trust. But for us as believers in Christ, this is an immensely liberating truth. I don't have to fight that battle to be in control. Because there is someone who's far greater than me that I can trust for my life. So yes, life may throw curveballs and difficulties may come my way and trials and persecution and tragedy might come my way, but there is one in whom I can trust and depend upon in all of those situations, who will give me everything I need in the time that I need it, to the extent that I need it, so that even when I'm in my worst moment, I can say I have everything that I need. Because I have Christ. And so this morning I would, I would urge you, and as I urge you, I urge myself, let go. And let Christ take control. Trust in Him. Abide in Him. And you will find that He is good. That He is gracious. And that He will lead you into the best path possible by His grace and His mercy. Let us pray together. Our gracious God, forgive us for so often thinking that we are the best placed people to be in control of our lives. Father, at the heart of it, it's actually idolatry. We're putting ourselves above you. Well, how we thank you that you don't leave us to that and say, fine, I I, I take my hands off of your life. I wash my hands of you. Thank you, Father. You don't respond like that, but that you pursue us in your love through the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you bring us into that wonderful saving relationship with you, so we're restored to the right place. With you as our Father, with Christ as our Savior. So Father, forgive us again for those times when we try and wrestle control out of your hands. When we find it hard to trust in you and we constantly question you. Father, help us to constantly remember you are the God who can be trusted in. 
Help us to constantly remember that we can abide in Christ. We have every reason, every incentive to do so. You are wise. For you are all-sufficient. And because you love us. Father, you know what every person is going through at this moment. You know those who are perhaps walking difficult and dark paths. Those who maybe are facing a very uncertain, perhaps even frightening future. Father, help them to know today that you will be with them, that you will lead them, that you will give everything that they need at the right time. May we trust in you and you alone. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.